Okay, welcome everyone to Ove Torah Daf Yomi Shur. Today's Shur is Daf Chav Dalad. We'll begin on Chav Dalad Amanalf at the word Kashadur Meir Adur Meir. The way we left off yesterday, we had explained, we had flipped Abaya. Abaya had given given an answer to the contradiction of whether Rameir is Chayish Lemita, is worried about death or not worried about death. Can you hear me, Albert, or not too clear? I hear you. I just want to grab a pencil quick. We'll be back Go in ahead. 30 seconds. Go ahead. We're going to pause. Resume. Okay. We'll resume. We're resume. Now we're working. Listen to this. There's three cases altogether. There's the case of yeah. the Sukkah, where we have the rabbis, or Mayor and Rabbi Yehuda. We know what each rabbi said. There's the case of the wife eating truma, where we don't know who the rabbis are. Okay? It's two different opinions, seemingly with the case of the lady who leaves, the lady whose husband left, and the lady who's a couple, right? Those the two different ladies eating Tanuma, that's one which we want to answer with two different rabbis. And there's another full case where um, they're talking about eating Tanuma from the barrel that you bought from the Kuti before Shabbat. Where there again, we know the rabbis, where Mayor is lenient and is not worried, and Rabbi Yehuda is worried. Okay? And we brought that case as a proof to the rule. We brought that case to the proof of the rule that Mayor is being uh, lenient. And we said, wait a second, contradiction. So we flipped it now and said, no, really. Abaya said that Rameir is being strict, and he's the strict one, and they, by, by the case of the ladies, Rameir is the strict one, because that's the one we, we're trying to figure out. The ladies, Rameir is the strict one, and therefore, and we bring a proof, not from the barrel case, but yes, from the Sukkah case. Cool. Okay, in the women case, it didn't say, but Abaya claimed that Rameir was the one. Or we in the in the first case, Abaya claimed that the that Rameir was the lenient one and brought a proof from the case of the barrel that Rameir is lenient. Okay, in the flip in the in the second way version, Abaya was, said that Rameir was the strict one in the case of the lady and brought a proof. From the case of the sukkah, okay? okay. But even though we flipped it, it didn't answer the contradiction of Rameir in the two cases. Because in the cases where it says their names, we have the case of sukkah where Rameir is worried that maybe the animal will die, and we have the case of the barrel where Rameir is not worried the barrel will break. Are you with me or no? hundred percent? I got you. So the contradiction is, what's up with Rameir? Okay, you fixed Abaya. Nice. But guess what? We still have a contradiction of Rameir and Rameir and Behuda and Behuda. Okay? Let's see the Gemara. Says the Gemara, four lines down on the Chavdalid. Kasha de Rameir, Adur Rameir, Behuda. Kasha de Rameir, Adur Rameir. Amalach Rameir, Rameir will answer you, Mita shchicha, bikat hanod lo shchicha. What does that mean? Mita death 
is more likely than barrels breaking. And since death is common, and breaking barrels is not common, why? Because Because when you have a barrel where you separate it to Numa from Albert, you can be careful with the barrel. When it comes to an animal dying, how are you going to be careful that it doesn't die? If it dies, it dies. And therefore, the reason why Remeir on Remeir is not a contradiction, because Remeir will say, when it comes to barrels, I'm not worried, because I could put, take the barrel and give it to someone to watch. When it comes to animals, I am worried, because there's no way to watch. Clear? Correct. Next. Kashadur Bihuda Bihuda. We have a question of Bihuda Bihuda. How can Bihuda buy the the sukkah is not what is not, not worried the animal will die, and by the barrel he is worried and doesn't let you drink from the barrel. Says the Gemara. Amalach Rabbi Yehuda. No, I'm sorry. Time of Yehuda lav mishum dechayish to pikatanot el mishum dolet lebreira. The Gemara answers, oh, you misunderstood Rabbi Yehuda. Really, Rabbi Yehuda is a relaxed rabbi. And he's never worried about things. When I say relaxed, I'm joking when I say he's a relaxed rabbi. Obviously, that's not the main point. But my point is Rabbi Yehuda is not worried about death of animals. And in the case of the barrel, he's also not worried about the barrel breaking. So then why does he, so then why does he let me drink from the, from, the, from, the, from, the, from the wine on Shabbat? And it's, you know why he doesn't let... Because he doesn't agree with retroactive separation of truma, which means he doesn't believe that you could after Shabbat decide what was separated on Shabbat. In order to eat the truma, you have to be able to motzei Shabbat magically say, "You see these three cups I pulled out; those three cups are truma." Rabbi Yehuda doesn't hold that magically magical brayra. It's not that he's worried the barrel will break. Even if the barrel doesn't break, he won't let it because he doesn't agree with magical separating of truma. You understand what I just said or no? Yes. Avi, you with us? I'm putting the pieces together. Okay, you'll get it soon. Ask Are you telling me that Yehuda is not worried about the barrel breaking? But since it says in the Sefer of the Brita, they told the Mayor, Don't you agree that maybe the barrel break? question like this. You're claiming, we're answering now, that really Rabbi Huda is not worried about the barrel breaking. He only doesn't, doesn't accept this magical separation of truma retroactively. We're saying, well, if so, what about the end of the Brita? In the end of the Brita, Rabbi Yehuda turned to Rabbi Meir, physically. The rabbis were talking to each other. And he turned to Rabbi Meir and he says, Rabbi Meir, aren't you worried that the barrel is going to break? And Rabbi Meir answered, when it breaks, I'll worry about it. But you see from the question that Yehuda was worried that the barrel will break. How can you say, oh, Yehuda's not worried that the barrel will break. He, doesn't, he only doesn't let the magical separation of truma. 
You understand what I'm saying? You see from his words that he was worried the barrel break, because that's why he turned to Remeir and he asked him that question. One more time, right? Can I do it one more time? Right from the que- right from the question he asked Remeir, aren't you worried that the barrel will break? You can tell that he himself is worried that the barrel will break, and it's not just the, right. Oh, so he answers the Gemara. No, Michal the Chayshu the Nod answers the Gemara first. First one line is Hanod. Second word is Hatam. Hatam Rabbi Yehuda he decamer the Remeir. This is what Rabbi Yehuda said to Remeir over there. Lididi, according to me, let li breira. I don't believe in breira, in the magical separation of truma afterwards, retroactively. But according to you, the yeshbera, that you do believe in breira, don't you admit that the barrel might break? You understand? And that's why he says, and he answered back, oh no, when it breaks, I'll worry about it. But you see that even though Rehuda was asking the question, he wasn't asking the question that he holds that it might break. He's asking, according to me, anyway I don't let. But according to you, you should worry about it. And he said no. But he wasn't really saying his, his own opinion. Ask the Gemara, I'll show you another Mishnah that shows in elsewhere in Shas, that shows that Rehuda is worried about death. How do we see that? V'atanan we learned in the Mishnah. Rabbi Yudah Omer, Af isha acheret matkinino shema tamut ishto. Hear the question? This question is from Yom Kippur. The Kohen Gadol in Yom Kippur needs to be married in order to do the Avodah. Because the Pasuk says, V'chiper ba'ado u'ba'ad beto. He has to have a kapara for himself and for his wife. Beto is his wife. Right? So if you don't have a wife, you can't get a kapara for Klai Yisrael. So the rule is you have to be married. Now, Tanakhama says that not only do we prepare many other things, we also have to prepare a backup wife. In case his wife dies, he can be married to this other wife on Yom Kippur. That's a view that. So ask the Gemara now, you're telling me that by the case of Sukkah, where Rabbi Yehuda is not worried that the animal will die, but I'll show you by Yom Kippur that Rabbi Yehuda himself is the one who said that we have to prepare a second wife for the Kohen Gadol. So you see, he, what? Contradiction. Right, you see, he is worried about death. You with me or no? Okay. Answer the Gemara. Let's read it inside. Rehuda is not worried about death. We learned in the Mishnah. Even another wife we prepare for him. So you see that we are worried. Says the Gemara, no. Because maybe his wife will die. said about that. That's an extra stringency for the Kapara of Yom Kippur. That's not a halakha that we have to do it. That over there, when we do it, it's just a stringency for Kippur, but it's not a halakha. And therefore, it's not a proof for Yehuda holds that he's worried about things or not worried about things. You can't prove it from there because over there it's just an extra strictness for Kippur. It says the Gemara, 
בין למדות השם ותבלח, מדורייצא מחיצה מעל יהוי ולמה הודו אלא מעתה, לרב מאיר, תתאמן בשום גולל. Now we're asking a question. If you remember, there were a list of five different things that we said that an animal cannot be. One of them was that an animal cannot be a golel lakever. It cannot be a, um, a covering over a grave. You can't use an animal as a covering over a grave. The Gemara is asking now, all the things that we told you that an animal cannot be besides for a covering over the grave were all strictnesses, which means that when we told you don't use an animal as a wall of a sukkah, that means strict, which means midoraita, it is a good animal. The rabbis are worried that maybe it'll die, so we don't let you use it. But midoraita, if you look through the oraita glasses and you look at that animal there, that's wall number three. The Torah looks at it as wall number three. The rabbis don't let you because we're worried that maybe something will happen. But Midoraita works, right? But in the flip case, when it comes to the case of Golel, over there you're making a leniency. When you don't use the animal as a Golel, you're going, le- you're going lenient. So why do we say, since Midoraita, these things are walls, right? And only with the Midrabanan, we're being strict, what, in a case where we're being lenient, like the case of the grave, we should say that it does work. Because Midoraita works. You hear the question? Let's read it inside. Ben Whether you're saying that, that he's worried maybe it'll die. Mayor. Ben or maybe we'll run away. Midoraita Midoraita was a good Mechitza. And the rabbis are the ones who made a gizit on it. El Ma'ate, if so, the Rameer, according to Mir, Titamavashim Golel, it should be Tomeh because of Golel. Allah Matanan, why did we say in the Mishnah, if we die, Mitamevashim Golel, Rameer, Mitaher? Right? So says the Gemara, El Amarab Achamar Yaakov. So now we're going to get rid of the whole thing. Okay? Until now, we were assuming the reason why Rameer doesn't let an animal for a wall of sukkah and all the other things was because the, uh, a gezerah of the rabbis that maybe the animal might die. In the new understanding, we're going to say that Rameir is there is no gezerah that maybe the animal will die. And that's not what Rameir is worried about. In fact, Rameir has, is, is worried about a rule by sukkah. And the rule by sukkah is that anything that stands because of wind is not called a wall. Any mechitza that is standing on wind is not a wall. Now, Albert, I can't hear you. You're muted, Albert. You're muted. An example would be if a wall is up, but if there would not be any wind, it would just fall. Correct. I, I, I'll give you a classical case, uh, uh, not a, uh, like a modern case. Imagine you had a seven tefachim wall that has to go close to, within three tefachim of the ground, right? And the only reason why it's, or whatever, a four tefachim wall that has to be exactly in between. And you have a little uh, blower that's holding up the styrofoam so it stays three tefachim off the ground, right? 
if you, you have a little in the ground, you have this little blower that's blowing it up and holding it three tochim off the ground. Since it's standing on the wind, it doesn't work. Okay? Similarly, this animal, because it's alive and breathing, is wind. That's wind. And if it stops breathing, right? So now it's going to end up shrinking. So that's, that, that animal is standing on wind, and that's why it doesn't work. Not because of maybe it'll die. Because yeah. it's no good now. Even I, if it falls down, you're still going to have that. In which case? In the styrofoam case? No. In, in the case with, with the cow. Oh, so we explained before, Mark, that we're talking about we're talking about a case where the animal itself was only uh, was only four tefachim, and underneath the animal was some leaves, and above the animal was airspace three tefachim to the skach. And if it if the animal dies, it'll end up being not three tefachim but three and a half, where there's no lavud. Okay. Ah, so let's get back. You with us, guys? Thank you, Mark. I didn't even know you were here. Okay, good. Says the Gemara. Elamaata, if so. Okay, so we said. Ela Amar of Akbar Yaakov, Kasavar Amir Amir holds, Kol Mechitza Shomer, the Beruach, and a Mechitza. Any Mechitza that stands because the wind is not a Mechitza. Ikka da Amri, some say, Amar of Akbar Yaakov, Kasavar Amir, Kol Mechitza, Sheenas, Yabide Adam, and a Mechitza. Others learn it a little differently. The first one I told you is anything that's standing by wind. Others learn any mechitza that's not man-made is not a mechitza. And according to this, since an animal is not man-made, it's God-made, it's not a mechitza. My benayu, what's the difference between the two versions of the answer? Either standing by wind or man-made. Let's say I made a wall... I have, I'm sorry, let's say I have a wall, a styrofoam wall. You with me, Albert Cohen and Mark? Avi? Good. A styrofoam wall, and I lean the styrofoam wall on a balloon that was blown up by me. So leaning it on the balloon, now it's exactly 7th Vachim tall because it's leaning on a balloon. And it's big enough only because it's up to, leaning on the balloon. So, according to the rabbi who says that it ha- if it's held up by wind, it's no good. This one's held up by air, because my breath, that's my breath in it. And that's why it's a problem. But according to the rabbi who says it has to be made by man, this is a man-made balloon. I blew it into it, so it's fine. You got that, Albert and Mark, or no? One more time. Okay. Here's the question. We had two different rabbis explaining why an animal is no good. In, we, we, we forgot about the first. There is no gizera that maybe it'll die. Forget that. We have two reasons why the animal case is no good. Either because animal is not man-made, it's not human-made, it's God-made. That's answer number one. Answer number two, no. Animals are held up by wind. Their breath is holding them up, as it were. And therefore, anything held up by wind has no significance. It doesn't work in halakha. What's the difference between the two answers? 
Well, what happens if you have a case where the wall was held up by balloons? The balloons were blown up by me. So therefore, if you ask me if they're man-made, yes, it's man-made, I blew into it. If you say, is it held up by wind? Oh, it is actually held up by wind. So therefore, depending on which rabbi you go, is whether you're going to allow this balloon-held-up wall. You got it? Awesome. Let's go. You held it up with a balloon. If you're going to one who says that it's held up by a wind and a mechitza, it's not a mechitza. So then what do we say here? It's being held up by a wind. According to the one who says that it has to be made by man, this is made by man, so it's fine. Okay. Amar Mar, Amru Af Nashim. There was a fourth, a fifth thing that one rabbi held. We're now in Chavdal Amurbet on the top line. We had said a fifth thing that doesn't work on live animals, which is at least according to one rabbi of Yosei Aglili. We said that the thing that doesn't work with live animals is that we are not allowed to write a get on a live animal. Okay? So says the Gemara, my time with Rabbi Yosei Aglili. What's the reason why Rabbi Yosef says you can't write a get on this live animal? Says the Gemara. The Tanya we learned in the Brayta, the Pasuk says Sefer. You have to write on a, on a document. The Katavla, you write for the girl. Sefer Kritut, a document of divorce. Eli Ela Sefer. I only know that you could write in a document. How do I know that if I write on anything, on a baby's crib, and I give it to her, and it'll work also. Tamudumar v'katavla. Pasuk says, v'katavla, write it for her. Mikom akom, any way you write it, it works. So it says the Gemara, imken matamono sefer. If it works on anything, so why does the Torah have to tell me in a document? There's no point in telling me a document if I could write it on a baby's crib also. Loma, so he says, you know why it says Sefer? Loma Allah to teach you Ma Sefer, just like a document. Davar She'en Bodo Chaim is something that's not alive, Ve'eno Ochel, and is not food. Af kol Davar She'en Bodo Chaim Ve'eno Ochel. So too, anything that is not living and is not food, you could write on. To teach you that you're not allowed to write it on an animal. And you're not allowed to write it on an ear of corn or um, a, a, a leaf, whatever, anything food. Okay? So it comes out that there's two pasukim. Pasuk A is sefer, which tells you it should be a sefer-like item. Pasuk B says katavla, write on anything. Anything includes everything. And sefer will exclude anything that's not like a sefer, which is which, which we're explaining to mean anything that's not like a sefer insofar as a sefer is not food and a sefer is not alive. Is that clear? Yes. Awesome. Says the Gemara. No, it's not the same thing in a prayer. Because in a prayer you would lose it. Is that mal? Okay. Good. Let's go. Let's keep going. Says the Gemara. Virabanan. What did the Rabbanan say back? According to Rabbanan, who say that you can write a get on a cow, what are they going to do with these pesukim? 
They got two pesukim. They need to clarify. Says the Gemara, "I katav b'sefer." If it says in the document, "Kidgamer," you'd be right. Hashli tikiv sefer. Let's see. Not tverim da'alma hu da'ata. It's coming to tell you just to svirat dream be'alma, which means it's coming to tell you that you sh- what you should write in the get, but it's not telling you what you should write to get on. It's telling you what you have to write in the get. Write that he's getting rid of her. Virabanan hai v'katav my darishmeh. What do they do with the word v'katav la? They need that pasuk to teach you That comes to teach you that she can get divorced with only writing a document. And she cannot get divorced by him giving her money. Right? According to Rabbanan, the word write it for her, teaches you that only documents divorce girls, not money. You might have thunk that the same way you marry her with money, you could also divorce her with money. And therefore, we need the word Mekatavah to tell you, no, it's only writing, not, not money. When you get married, you get married with writing or money. Right? You could write a star or you could give her money. When you get divorced, you could only give a star. So we need the Katavah to teach you, oh no, when you get divorced, it's only star and not money. Why? So what are you going to say? I would have thunk. Since we connected going into going out, just like getting married, you get married with money, so to going out, meaning getting divorced, because if you could do it with money also, Kamash Malan, so I come to tell you, no, the Katala you can't. So the Mara says, okay. Who's the rabbi who used the katava to tell you that you can't write it on an animal? How does he know that you can't get divorced with money? According to him, you should be able to get divorced with money. How does he know you can't get divorced with money? Because the Pasuk says, Sefer next to the word Kiritut. Sefer Korta. A, a, a document could knock it off. And nothing else can knock it off. And therefore, that's how we know that money cannot knock off a marriage. Money can enter you into marriage, but can't knock you off out of marriage. Although I know many people that money knocks them out of marriage. But okay, we'll leave that for another time. Okay? It says the Gemara, the Idach and the other rabbi, what does he do? Ha'humi he used the word Sefer Kiritut, the fact that Sefer is next to Kiritut, to teach you a, a certain restriction in a divorce. That when a person wants to make a conditional divorce, you can't make a condition that connects you to the lady. You have to have something that cuts you off completely. If you have a condition that keeps her attached to you, it doesn't work. Which I'll explain to you in a second, Albert, which means like this. That a guy can make a conditional divorce. He could say, I'm divorcing you only if you eat six red tomatoes. And then, if she eats the six red tomatoes, she's divorced. If she doesn't eat them, she's not divorced. He can make any condition he wants. Tomatoes, the Mets winning, whatever he wants. If he, get them, if he does the Mets winning, he'll never be divorced. But either way, he could pick any condition he wants. The only condition he cannot pick, Albert, is a condition when he says, on condition that you never do blank. 
Why? Because if you say never do blank, that means that she's divorced now, and if one day she ever eats a red tomato, you'll be back to me. That you can have. You need something that cuts them off completely. It's a one-time thing. Eat six red tomatoes, you can be divorced. But if I say you never eat a tomato, that means for the rest of her life, if she ever passes by a fruit store, she's in danger of going back to him. That you can't have. You can't really, Rabbi, can you not promise on like something that's out of your control? Like you can't promise based on what she does or whatever it is? I, over here in this case, you're allowed, to, you're allowed to divorce her on something out of both of your controls. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about something in, in her control now. So l- l- leave the out of control. That was just an example I gave with the Mets. Forget about that. Okay? Let's just talk about the Gemara. The Gemara is talking about eating tomatoes. Or going to your father's house is going to be the case of the Gemara. Right? If you say, you're only divorced to me if you walk into your father's house. Okay? She's divorced. If I say, you're only divorced to me if you don't walk into your father's house for the next hour. Okay, you have one hour and, and there's a certain cutoff time. But if I make it unlimited and I say, you're not divorced no matter what, if you never ever go to your father's house, and then one day, six years from now, she walks into her father's house, then that divorce is not a good divorce ever because it's unlimited in time. Okay? Let's read it inside. Okay? And that's what the rabbi used with Sefakiritut. This is your divorce. On condition that you don't drink wine. On condition that you don't go to your father's house. If he says you can't go forever or you can't drink wine forever, it's not a cutoff and the divorce is NG. But if he says, Kol Shloshim Yom, if he says you can't go into your father's house for 30 days, that is a good cutoff, and the divorce is good. So now the Gemara says, and the other rabbi, how does he know this rule that you can't do more than 30 days, you can't do a for life thing? For the fact that it could have said Sefer Karet, instead it says Sefer Kiritut, that's how he learned it from. And the other rabbi, what does he do with Karet Kiritut? Karet Kiritut lo darshi. He doesn't use the karakiritut, and therefore he does not learn that thing because he doesn't he doesn't believe that karakiritut is extra, and therefore he has nothing extra to learn from sefakiritut. Is that clear? Good. Okay, it's seven fifty-eight. We'll start the Mishnah tomorrow. Enjoy, guys. Bro, yes. Remember, we they said you can't make a promise with something you, you are correct about promises, but this is, we're not dealing with the laws of promises here. This is the laws of, of, of tenayim, a tenai, a condition in a, in a divorce. So conditional divorce, I don't believe that there are restrictions like you're saying. Um, Mark, uh, I do need...